0: I want you to envision that you're at a Christian bookstore because you remember what a Christian bookstore looks like, right? You walk up to the first section of books and the sign over the shelves says, Christianity, pop culture, pop culture, Christianity. And what do you see when you when you hear that? What, what books do you see? Do you see 72 different copies of the five love languages? Do you see Dave Ramsey telling you all the different ways that you can spend money for Jesus? What about books on marriage, dating, purity, single life? Well, probably not single life, but those other ones for sure. And what's this over in the corner? Why, that's Leadership 101. Welcome to My Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight, and this is the start of our brand new series, Leadership 101 welcome back thanks for thanks for coming back you you came back you showed up during the last series and now you're back again that's so cool you're so nice but if you're dropping in for the very first time because you were stumbling around the internet and somehow came across a podcast that's talking about leadership welcome welcome Again, my name is Brandon Knight, and this show, for those of you who are new, is all about me reflecting on and having conversation. Excuse me, having conversations about my journey through seminary. What I'm studying in seminary right now is what I talk about each and every week here on the show, as I march ever so closer to graduation day, which is coming soon after this class I have a intercultural studies class, and then a class on local church ministry. And then that's it. Two more to go. And we enter the independent era of my seminary life. And I also am trying to come up with a graduation episode, like a graduation special. I don't know what that's going to be like. But regardless, I have a lot of time to think, think and figure that one out. But for those of you who are new that's what we're doing here and i just started a brand new class all on leadership and so over the next few weeks uh throughout the month of october and into november gonna have a lot of great conversations i know because i already recorded them have a lot of great conversations gaining some wise insight in wise insight from pastors on the topic of leadership also have a lot of interesting assignments that I had to do in this class that we're going to talk about today. It's going to be covering the books I had to read for this class. There's a a great assignment on the latter half of this series that I'm going to talk about as well. It's a, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very wise, very insightful. But if you are here looking for bad leadership advice. I do have good news for you. You should go down into the description of today's episode, find the handle for my Facebook and Instagram at my seminary life pod, like the show, follow the show on there so that way every Thursday you can get some bad leadership advice because we all need a good laugh every once in a while. The one that just came out this past Thursday was a classic Michael Scott quote. A classic at One of my favorites. So be on the lookout for that. As you continue to gain wisdom, you can also gain what not to do every Thursday on social media. Like I said, we're going to today talk about, for the remainder of this episode, what books I had to read for this class. But before we do that, I would like to extend an open challenge. I am John Cena with the United States title. Very few of you just got that reference, but I'm okay with that. I have a question. I have a question that I want to propose to all of you. And over the next several weeks, I invite you to answer this question. Slide into my DMs on Facebook and Instagram. You can email the show. You can email the show. Email seminarylife at gmail.com with your answer. You can comment on this post on Facebook and Instagram or on the website. You can leave a voice memo on Anchor to give me the answer to this question. Here it is. You ready? Why are Christians so obsessed with leadership? Why are Christians so obsessed with leadership? Why are they? Because here's the thing, and this goes back to my introduction, my silly little intro there at the beginning about being at a Christian bookstore. Here's the thing about leadership. I really think Christians are obsessed with this. And I, I, have, I have reasons. I, I do. I have ideas. But I want to hear from you all. Why do you think Christians are obsessed with talking about leadership? Because here's the thing. This is a required course that I have to take to finish my degree. I have to take this course over church history, apologetics, counseling, philosophy, ethics, Greek, Hebrew. don't have to take any of those courses at all, but this one, this is a requirement in order to graduate. And I think that says something. But I want to hear from you all. So give me your answers to that question. I I gave you a variety of ways that you could respond. If one of you has a great answer, maybe we'll even bring you on the show to talk about it. If not, I'm going to, if I get enough response, I may just have a whole episode where I sit down and go through these different answers. Why are Christians so obsessed with leadership? Please let me know. Open challenge. I dare you. Actually, Two-part open challenge. What is the book of Nehemiah actually about? Because (laughs) I've spent most of my life being told that Nehemiah is like the model for leadership. So what is the book of Nehemiah actually about? So if you know an answer for that one, also go answer the question on one of those things I said earlier. Okay, let's talk about books. One of the great modern philosophers... Arthur Reed once said, having fun isn't hard when you've got a library card. And it appears to me that being a leader isn't hard if you've got a library card. Because I had to do so much reading for this class. And if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that I do say that a lot. Systematic Theology 1 and also 2, I had to read a thousand pages of of theology as one of my assignments discipleship methods had four books for that class and i think an article a week to read for that class as well this class also four books to talk about today articles that i had to read i've had to read every single week a pamphlet of notes from the professor that i've had to go through and a very large Bible reading assignment that you'll hear about on the second half near the end of this uh, series of episodes. So much reading. Being a leader isn't hard if you've got a library card, kids. That's the big takeaway. That is it. That is the whole message today. Just read a book, apparently. Like I said, I had four books I had to read for this class. <clears throat> And I'm going to go through each one, tell you the pros and cons of each one, and also tell you which one I definitely think you should you should consider reading and the one you can absolutely skip. So we're going to start this off with Leadership That Works by Leith Anderson. Pro. This is a paraphrase of a quote from the book. Being a leader does not make you a hero. And being a leader doesn't mix well with being a celebrity. So being a leader doesn't make you a hero. On the surface, that seems like a really obvious statement because there's plenty of leaders who were not heroes. The bulk of people would agree that Hitler was a leader, but definitely not a hero, obviously. Not obviously, but sadly, there are people who would say otherwise. But the majority of people, Hitler is not a hero. But what Anderson's really getting at with this quote is, is that there are plenty of leaders in churches all throughout this country and all throughout the world who are not heroes. Maybe a few people in their congregation look up to them, but being a leader does not e- does not automatically guarantee and make you a hero. You, in a lot of cases, you're just doing your job. That you're you're just the guy in charge, the guy or gal in charge. So keep that in mind being a leader doesn't make you a hero and also being a celebrity and being a leader doesn't mix well together. And I think we sadly have seen the fallout of that a lot lately. You know, I was reading and studying these ideas right around the same time that the um, news about Matt Chandler broke. Like we are seeing this constantly that celebrity status while being a leader even more stakes get added into the mix and it it never ends well never ends well for the the leader the group they're leading the family it's just always a bad a bad ending this book on google books that's where i get my digital books uh had a one review two stars (laughs) complaining that this was just yet another administrative type of book. I think it's fine. I think the book is fine. There there are a couple things that I did not enjoy about this book, but this book is good if you need a resource on that encourage you to think broadly and critically about your church ministry. This one is definitely a church ministry leadership book. I would say the other ones are a little broader, um, especially the next two are definitely broader in focus, more than just ministry or church leadership. But if you're in a, a church leadership position, I think, uh, especially a pastor, I think you could benefit from this book because it does encourage you to think of things from angles. Con though of this book, churches need to offer more options because we live in a world of options, and people live and people like having options. The four gospels are written to different audiences and tailored to them, which is how which is how he defends having a classic and contemporary service. Obviously, I'm just reading my notes to you. So let's let's run that back. Anderson in this, I think it was a whole chapter, was talking about how churches need to offer as many options as possible to their congregation psychology and also the guy with seven years of retail experience will tell you otherwise that people actually need less options especially when those options are just slightly different variants of the exact same thing case in point shopping for peanut butter retail experience um so i definitely disagree with him on this idea of churches need more options, especially when it's options to have options. If you're trying to offer a ministry that you think will meet needs in the congregation or in the community, or maybe you just want to try something every once in a while, fine. But to have options for the sake of options just seems unnecessary and also increases indecision and anxiety in people so let's not just have options for the sake of options that second part is and this is a section this part of the book is dated his church up in minnesota i think it was minnesota maybe wisconsin one of those two um his church was one of the churches that has if you remember this was a popular mood in or popular move back in the uh early 2000s to have a traditional service and a contemporary service traditional just hymns classical style music contemporary modern worship songs modern instruments and he uses the example of the four gospels as support for why that is a biblical thing we can do because the four gospels basically say the same information, especially the synoptic ones, but are tailored to different audiences. I'm not saying it's a good argument because as church history has played out over the past 20, 30 years since this was a thing that was going on, there are churches, I believe, that still have this setup. But for the most part, people have just integrated the worship styles together into one service. So I'm not saying it's a foolproof argument, but (laughs) it's an argument I haven't heard before, and it makes me think a little bit. The other con from this book, competition happens not just between a church and the world, but between other churches, which is fine. He says, I say, it's not fine. As soon as you start talking about competition between churches to bring people in, you lost me. This is like the one chapter in this book that I was not happy with. Should you offer ministries to your community that meets a need? Yes. It should meet the need of your congregation, meet the need of the community. Fine. We are not at competition with each other. You lost me there. You know what else lost me? Book number two, <laughs> Courageous Leadership by Bill Hybels. Now, do understand this isn't some type of let's cancel Bill Hybels type of message right now. I just didn't like the book. I just didn't. Not only did I not like the book, I have I've learned that I don't like Bill Hybels' writing style. Not only did I didn't like the book, we, we one of these articles that we had to read was also on like the issues that mega church pastors have you know like their their character flaws and i guess it just doesn't make sense to me why i am studying a model that failed the seeker sensitive megachurch experiment didn't work it was a bad idea it it kept us all really interested in the early 2000s between that and the emergent church. But the seeker-sensitive megachurch, time and time again, it just fails. It crumbles. It didn't work. So why am I re- reading a book that is basically encouraging this mo- Not It's not encouraging this model. It is encouraging the mindset behind the model. And I'm like, why Why do I care about your, why do I care? Why do I care? Anyway, hopefully, I, I don't think I have to write a paper on this. So, pro, there was one pro, and this is a quote from the book. How does a leader communicate vision? Embodying it, personifying it, and living it out. I did like that. If you're going to, you should have a vision for your ministry, for your podcast, for your church, for your whatever, whatever vision you have, even if it's like your family life, you know, if you have a vision for what you want your household to look like, you need to, to summarize, walk your talk, embodying it, person, personifying it, and living it out. You should take Every opportunity you can to communicate your vision either through yourself or through various communication ways like sermons, conversations, things like that, which I would add that gives that puts pressure on trying to craft visions that are biblical so that way. You can promote something in a sermon that is actually biblically rooted and not just like, let's plant more churches, you know, you get the idea. So if you have a vision, you need to be embodying it and living it out and communicating it. It, Being a leader, you're not a hero, and it doesn't mix well with being a celebrity. And if you have a vision, you should live it out. Khan, other than the fact that I did not like the book at all, a lot of that comes down to this. Vision is the most important tool of a leader. The hope of the world is the church and its future rests primarily in the hands of its leaders. Vision is the most important tool of a leader. The hope of the world is the church. Pop quiz. If you're taking a quiz and it asks you, what is the most important tool of a leader and who is the hope of the world? If your answer to the first one isn't, prayer and the and the answer to the second question isn't Jesus you failed the test period i don't care how much social psychology you want to put on vision like vision can only get you so far without prayer and the holy spirit and the hope of the world is jesus yes the church is a channel that G- jesus's love and grace flows through into the world and towards each other but the hope is jesus not it's very man-centered it's a very man-centered book up next this is the book that i would definitely recommend to read next generational leadership by andy stanley andy stanley i have come to realize is um a good mix for me of theology and the rah-rah Christianity, the your great Christianity, the modern new age Americanization Christianity. I don't know what to call it, but I, for me, he's a good mix of both. If I, if I'm going to look for something that's a little bit more rah-rah, I guess, for lack of a better word, um or sound then i'm I'm gonna go with with andy stanley pro of this book you can't do everything well so focus on your strengths delegate the other work and keep your nose out of work you don't understand write your own job description so andy stanley is all about i think there was one point in time where it was like the pastor has to do everything that's not what stanley um that's not what he pushes. What he promotes is this is this idea of what are your strengths? What are your gifts? What are your talents? Play to those so that way you can do the few things that you are good at really well and then delegate out all the other things to people who are really good and gifted and talented at the other stuff. And then you will see work getting done. Write your own job description. Wh- wh- what do you do? You tell people what you do. The problem is, and this is the biggest con I came across with this book, he never addresses, at least not that I remember reading, he never addresses what do you do when you're in a church situation where that's not the reality, where you're in a small church where the pastor has to do everything, or you're in an environment that may be a little bit more toxic. And so it is expected of you to do everything. I think it is foolish to expect the leader to do everything. Pastor or really otherwise with other leadership environments as well. But he never addresses what to do in those situations. He just talks about how play to your strengths. Know your role. Like The Rock would say, know your role. And keep your nose out of the tasks that you're not good at. Well, if the expectation is for you to do everything, then what do you do? There was one last book that I had to read for this class. And you guessed it, folks, because if you've taken any form of a Christian leadership class, Bible study, Sunday school thing, you know you had to read Spiritual Leadership by J. Oswald Sanders. I have read this book like five times. It just keeps coming up. By way of Christian classics, especially in this world of leadership, I think the list starts and ends here with spiritual leadership. I have had to read this book so many times. It just won't die. It's hard to kill. Like impact wrestling, it's hard to kill. Leadership that works, like I said, good for critical thinking, good for uh, thinking outside of the box, thinking about variables. Courageous leadership. If you really want to learn a lot about vision, read it. Next generational leadership definitely puts emphasis on what do you bring to the table and how do we make that work for getting the job done. Spiritual leadership, as you can imagine, is the book on biblical characteristics of leadership. Like actually, you know, getting into what Paul has to say to Timothy about calling an elder, you know, like talking about those things, looking at Jesus and how he interacted with his disciples as an example of leadership, what attributes and characteristics that he and Paul and Peter and Nehemiah and Moses, you know, what are what are what did these biblical leaders, what did they bring to the table? What do we glean from that? There's a little bit of other information thrown in there, like using your time wisely and what books do you read, but the thing about spiritual leadership and why you should read it, the pro to this book, is that it gets to the Bible. It's really biblically centered. The con is that it's dated. I've never realized that until I read it this time for this class, but it's, it's dated. There are some quotes in there that just aren't accurate. You'll see some, you'll, you will see one of them for the bad leadership advice segment on Thursdays. Um, So be on the lookout for that in one section he was talking about matthew 20 where jesus talks about how you're not supposed to lord authority over each other like how the gentiles do and in his little commentary on that passage he writes not to be a leader like oriental despots and i I like did all this research on the word oriental and the word that's used in the scripture and I'm like this was a choice to use this word here and it kind of makes me feel uncomfy that he used this word. He also talked about how Jesus how Jesus interacted with his disciples is how the internship program gets initiated into the church and I'm like no. That's literally discipleship is what Jesus is doing with the disciples, not an internship. It's a discipleship. And for proof, go listen to all the episodes from discipleship methods. So, yeah, you, I think if I could boil it down and just highlight the good material from this, spiritual leadership is definitely an example of chew the meat, spit the bad. There's going to be some moments in that book where you're like, say what now? Come again for big fudge? Like, what does that mean? What are you trying to say here? But a lot of what he has to say is actually biblically centered. And I appreciate that. Well, that's it for today's episode. Hopefully you got all that. If not, feel free to re-listen to this episode and run up my downloads. Being a leader isn't hard if you got a library card. So go read a book on leadership. One of these four. three. Don't read the Highballs one. Thanks for listening to the day, to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please stick around and listen to more episodes um, over the next few weeks. Please also review, rate and review this show on whatever platform you're listening to it on. And recommend it to a friend if you know somebody who is going through a leadership trial right now this episode and uh, the following might be an encouragement to them head on down to the description of this episode to find links I plugged basically all of them so I'm not going to do that again. Over the next few weeks, we got, like I said, a great bunch of episodes coming up, especially over the next three weeks. One of my assignments for this class was to interview three pastors on the topic of leadership and to write a paper on it. And so over the next three weeks, you get to listen to those interviews. Pastor Will is going to be back. Scott's going to be back. And next week, making his MSL debut, Pastor Ben Hickson is going to be on the show talking about servant leadership, mentoring, vision casting, being a change agent, and I will tell you this, he's going to do something right off the bat that's going to challenge the norm, because Ben thinks that servant leadership may not be, the the phrase servant leadership may not be the best term to use to describe our leadership and i'm gonna leave it at that little teaser for you don't forget all this month every tuesday bonus episodes because we hit that goal that i wanted to hit already and the 50 percent off sale over on mslshop.com don't forget about that thank you for listening again and remember keep on studying <laughs>